Well, good morning. We are so thankful we can be together again, though virtually. We love it. We love the Lord. We're here to get into his word together this morning. Before I introduce Paul this morning, I want to say kudos to you, Dusty. Great job. The whole book of Jude, under your belt, in your heart. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so many things. So I'm proud of you. I'm thankful that you took up that challenge. Now, this morning... Paul Hooks is going to come and bring the word. Now, I'm, I wanted to introduce him because some of you may not know Paul. You may not come to Calvary. You're, you're tuning in. He is a godly man who's been with me for 27 years. Now, if someone sticks it out 27 years, this guy's got character. And he and his wife, Trudy, moved up from California about 27 years ago. And they've been involved in our ministry ever since. Uh, Trudy did a lot with our children. Paul's done a lot in many different ways, children's ministry and so many others. So I just want to introduce Paul as my friend, my fellow laborer, a pastor here at Calvary. He's been doing that for 23 years. He loves the word. He loves people. He loves to help people. He's been equipped in counseling, biblical counseling, uh, through a university and also through some other means. And so he loves to meet with people and talk to them and help them to work through the things that, that life throws at us, all of us. And so he's going to bring the word this morning. I just want to introduce him to you. This is Paul Hooks. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. I love him to pieces. So would you, uh, Paul, come and bring the word to us this morning? Okay. Well, thank you, Kevin. Well, good morning, church family. So as you've heard, we're going to be in James chapter 4, so I hope you've uh, got your Bible ready, um, because this morning I'd like to encourage you to endeavor to be a peacemaker. So why this message now? Because a lot of us have been cooped up together because of the virus, because of the global pandemic, the orders to stay at home and to stay safe, and many of us are spending a lot more time than usual with our families. We're working from home. Some of you have lost your jobs, your home more uh, than usual. Our shopping is limited, uh, or we're shopping from home, amen? Uh, the golf courses are closed, yikes. Uh, but all this time at home could lead to some really quality time with each other, or we could find ourselves in more conflict than usual. Butting heads, arguing, bickering, upset, and frustrated. But Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes, recorded in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And the Bible has a lot to say about the one who makes peace. Here's a few examples. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 14, 19. Therefore, let us pursue the things that make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Hebrews 12, 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. One more, uh, Ephesians 4, 3, endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, the Bible has a lot to say about making peace. And again, Jesus, who is called the Prince of Peace, says to every one of us, blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, happy are those who endeavor to live in peace with others and do those things which make for peace. I called my sister Jean uh, not long ago. She lives in California. We like to joke around. Uh, she's 11 years older. And so uh, I called her, and as soon as she answered the phone, I said, I have one question. How do we achieve world peace? 
And after a long pause, I decided to ask, rephrase the question. I said, I meant to say, how do we achieve world peace? And she said, oh, world peace. All you need is a good blender for world peace. That's true. <laughs> but for world peace, it will take the second coming of the Prince of Peace. When Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom on earth, he will put an end to all hostilities. And the whole world will live in peace. And that really is the definition of peacemaking. Peace is made when there is an end to hostilities. So I'd like to talk about what it means to be a peacemaker in your home and in your family. Especially now when we've been cooped up so, uh, so long due to, the, due to the social distancing. Because sadly, instead of peace in our home, there can be a lot of conflict. And conflict unresolved can lead to anger, resentment, and create a great distance between those we want to be close to. And the truth is, we all want peace. Uh, we were created for a relationship that deepens in peace. We were made to be in loving community with each other, bonding with each other, soul to soul, peacefully. But here's the hard truth. Conflict for us is unavoidable. You cannot be alive and in relationships and avoid conflict. Conflict is unavoidable. And we can all deal with conflict very badly. And we can be anything but a peacemaker. And there's a lot of advice out there on how to resolve conflicts, how to end arguments. Uh, uh, some of it is very helpful. Some of it is, quite frankly, out to lunch. Here's a few things I found on the internet, uh, a couple different articles. One said, uh, do you want to end an argument? Well, try just moving to another location. Take it to another location. If you're at home, take it to Starbucks or take your argument to the restaurant or take, go for a walk. Just change the scenery and it'll all come out peacefully in the end. I thought, hmm, maybe. Another one said, do you want to end an argument? Try changing the medium of communication. Are you arguing in person? Try leaving and then calling back on the phone. Or take your laptop somewhere else and start emailing. This might just do the trick. I thought to myself, hmm, maybe. Finally, there's another one. Do you want to end an argument? This one says, just try using humor. Just crack a joke. Knock, knock, who's there? Right in the middle of it. Get the other person to laugh. Switch up the emotional gears. It's bound to improve the conversation. I thought, hmm, maybe. I've never tried that. <laughs> there are some good ideas out there, that's for sure. But most of them, like these, do not address what's going on in our hearts. So if you're in James chapter 4, there's no other passage in the Bible that diagnoses the truth and the cure of what I'm going to call ungodly conflict like James chapter 4. James had to address conflict among God's people, and this was conflict at its worst. Things had gotten pretty ugly, and James had to get very direct. Now, I've met people who avoid reading the book of James because he's one of those black and white kind of people. He doesn't pull any punches, and we all know people like that. But I think James was probably a pretty great guy to hang out with. He loved the Lord. He loved God's people. But he had to speak the truth in love. And he tells us things that we need to hear sometimes that are hard. He gets right to the heart of the matter. 
And much of what he has to say is for our correction. So let's just read it, and then we'll unpack it verse by verse. James 4, starting in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that wars in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot attain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. <clears throat> Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives us more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Would you pray with me? Father, as we look into your word, we ask that you would break it afresh on our hearts, that you would speak to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Help us to receive uh, what could be hard truths, depending on where our heart is at right now. Uh, if we're in conflict with family members, Lord, we want to hear from you. We know that your word is the light of truth, and it's the truth that sets us free. So bless now, I pray, our time in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back now, through it again, verse by verse, and dig a little deeper into what James is saying. He, he begins by asking the question, where do wars and fights come from among you? In other words, why is there this ungodly, toxic conflict going on? So he's not talking about a healthy debate or a meaningful conversation, but, uh, because those are important to have. We need to learn how to communicate with each other in constructive ways without tearing each other apart or, or tearing each other down. So James is asking, why are you arguing and fighting with each other? He says, do you want to know where it comes from? Do you want to know where it all begins? James says, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? So James is saying, there's war on the outside with others because there's war on the inside. There are selfish desires that have risen in your hearts, and these desires are at war. They're actually at war with the Spirit who also dwells within you. These desires are at war with the desires of the Spirit of God who dwells within you and who is at work within you, helping you to do what is pleasing to God. The flesh wars against the Spirit, and our minds are caught in the middle with a choice to, with a choice to be made. So notice verse 2. It says, you lust and you do not have. In other words, you're focused on a strong desire for something you want, and you've chosen to do whatever it takes to get it. Is that not what happens? We focus on a strong desire for something that we want, and then we decide we're going to do whatever it takes to get it. Then he says, you murder. Now, I don't think James is accusing them of trying to kill each other. Maybe they were. <laughs> but he's talking about matters of the heart. He's talking about selfish desires that rise up in our hearts, and these desires are influencing their words and their attitudes. So here's what he's saying. Your heart is not right towards the ones you're in conflict with. Instead of walking in love 
toward one another. You've digressed to the point where you're, e you're even having hateful thoughts and using hateful words with those who you think oppose you. So James says in verse 2, he also says, you covet and cannot obtain, meaning that you have chosen to strive greedily for what you want at any cost. Now, I know this isn't pretty, but stay with me. This is conflict at its worst. But we'll see some, some things here that are helpful, I believe, for every one of us because we all have the potential to get to this point when we're in conflict with others. James says you fight and war. The ongoing arguments of bickering and fighting are because you have been demanding what you believe you're entitled to. Let me say that again. The ongoing arguments in bickering and fighting are because you have been demanding what you believe you are entitled to. Wow. A selfish desire has become a sinful demand. And he goes on. You do not have because you do not ask. James tells them, you're so out of fellowship with the Lord, and instead of placing your trust in him to provi provide for your needs, you're striving to get what you want. You're focused on fulfilling the selfish desire that has risen in your heart and has become a demand of what you believe you're entitled to. Ouch. <laughs> this, is, this is really a rebuke. A rebuke for sure, and I'm sure it, it stung at the time. But stay with me to see where James is going. He goes on in verse 3. He says, if you do pray, your prayers are hindered and ineffective because your heart is not right before God. So again, James is in rebuke mode, and rightfully so. These people needed to be told. They were praying very selfishly, and God is not a cosmic Santa Claus that we can come to thinking he's only there to hear about what we want and about what we think will make us happy. So James even goes on to call them adulterers and adulteresses because their selfish desires had become idolatry. They had strayed in their hearts and their affections were set on things of the world and it, it had become an unfaithfulness in their devotion to the Lord. Wow, what an indictment. I'm glad he's not talking about me. <clears throat> well, actually, <laughs> I'd like to tell you about a little conflict I had with my lovely wife not too long ago. And just so you know, I have her blessing to share this because in this case, it was all on me. This was just before the stay-at-home orders, and we had driven to eastern Washington to help my son unpack a moving truck and help his family move into an apartment. My youngest son was there also with his family. And as it turned out, we arrived shortly before noon, and I was hungry. Hadn't eaten for a while. And so I assumed there was going to be some kind of lunch plan. But everyone just started unpacking the truck. And so after what I considered to be a, a reasonable amount of time, I, I went to Trudy and I said, hey, when you get a chance, will you ask the other moms uh, if there's any kind of lunch plan. So she smiled. I smiled back. And then I went back to helping the guys unload the truck. Well, enough time went by, and I concluded that either my wife had forgotten all about my request, or she had decided that eating was not important right now. We need to get the job done. <clears throat> so from my point of view, we were in conflict. And I could feel it, literally. 
I was not getting what I wanted or what I think I needed. And the emotions that got triggered were intense. They were like fuel that I could have used or they, they, that could have driven me to start making my demands, even protesting or even attacking or accusing her because I was in the right, of course. <laughs> Where's my lunch? And there was all this potential for things to get ugly. The good news is <laughs> that particular time I kept my mouth shut long enough for the Lord, I think, to reason with me. And he said, this should not be about what you want. And then I was also reminded, but I, I was working on this message already about conflict and peacemaking. Ouch. <laughs> so things turned around in my heart by the grace of God. And the funny thing was, I was so consumed with what I wanted, I totally forgot that we had cold pizza in the back of the car that I could have eaten anytime I wanted. Oh, well. So you, you may be thinking, Paul, that's, this is all very petty. You didn't get your lunch. Big deal. Yes, I agree. But this is how a lot of conflicts begin. <clears throat> Just like James said, the battle began on the inside. And if the battle is not dealt with in our heart before the Lord, it will become a battle with others. And there will be conflict. James says the problem is on the inside for all of us. He doesn't focus on our circumstances, but what is going on in our hearts? He says there are desires that battle within you, and something can become so important to us that we will do whatever it takes to get what we want. We can allow a simple desire to grow into a sinful demand. And these are backed by strong emotions that fuel attitudes, attitudes of entitlement that say, I have a right to get what I want. Can you relate? I'm sure you can. <laughs> and when we do not get what we want, some of us go into attack mode. And we are in it to win. So let's look at what else James has to say. Notice verse 5 and 6. He says, do you th Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain... The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives us more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He says, when these desires that battle within us, if, if they start to battle within us and we are led astray by them, the spirit of God is always there drawing us back to the Lord, yearning to recapture our hearts with the love of God, ready to grant us more grace. Grace for what? Well, we're going to see as we go forward that it's grace to repent, grace to acknowledge the truth, grace to draw near to God, grace to receive and follow the wisdom of God, to be a peacemaker instead of being a peacebreaker. Look back at the end of James chapter 3 for a moment. Listen to what James says at the end of chapter 3 about the wisdom of God's word. Starting in verse 14 of James 3, If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. 
but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then notice, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So let's look at what James has to say to those who are in the midst of what I'm calling this ungodly conflict. If you're in the midst of it, he's going to give us wisdom on what to do. If our conflict with others has been about our selfish desires or pleasing ourselves and has become an idolatry that is unfaithfulness to the Lord, notice what James has to say to you then, in, starting in verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. So James says to you, you who are in godly conflict, that you must repent and you must be broken over your sin. He says, first of all, submit to God. If I'm in con conflict with others because I'm demanding something I want, then it's no longer about God's will. It's about my will. Someone said it's either thy will be done or it's my will be done. But how can I know for sure what is going on in my heart? I think it will take some self-examination. And the sooner the better. Some of us need to take a step back when conflict begins. We need to take a step back, cool off, pray, and examine ourselves. And follow David's example in Psalm 139 where he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Know my anxiety. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the path or the way everlasting. So submitting to God might need to begin by asking him to show us or show you your heart. To reveal what you cannot see or maybe what you have been unwilling to see. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye but do not consider the plank in your own eye or how can you say to your brother let me remove the speck from your eye and look there's a plank in your own eye hypocrite first remove the plank from your own eye then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye so here again is something that the spirit will grant more grace for James says submit to God James says when we humble ourselves when we submit to God when we agree with him that this conflict should not be about what I want, the Spirit of God grants us more grace. Grace to acknowledge the truth and grace to repent. Then Jim, James says, as we submit to God, we resist the devil. If I'm in godly conflict with others, excuse me, if I'm in ungodly conflict with others and it's been about my selfish demands, the enemy is looking for a foothold in my life. Here's a quote from Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite Bible commentators. He says, God wants us to be humble. Satan wants us to be proud. God wants us to depend on his grace, while the devil wants us to depend on ourselves. Satan needs a foothold in our lives if he's going to fight against God, and we can give him that foothold. The way to resist the devil is to submit to God. 
The way to resist the devil is to draw near to God. So in order to become peacemakers, we first must overcome the war within ourselves. Paul said in Galatians 5, 16, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to each other, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The war can rise up within our hearts, and it must be overcome, but it cannot be overcome in our own strength. James says it's only by the Spirit who gives grace to the humble and to those who submit to God and draw near to Him. Paul described the war in Romans 7. I'll encourage you to read Romans 7 soon, but Romans 7 ends this way. It says, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God it is through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Paul goes on to say, we have been given the freedom and the grace to serve the law of God with our minds, but we can still serve the law of sin. So there's a choice that we're responsible for. And God stands ready to forgive when we make the wrong choice. Then in Romans 8, very important. I told someone not long ago if I was stranded on a desert island, give me Romans chapter 8. It is so packed with good stuff. But he says in Romans 8, since we have the Spirit, we can walk in the Spirit when we set our minds on what the Spirit desires. And what does the Spirit desire? The Spirit desires the will of God. The Spirit desires obedience to the will of God, that we walk in the commands of Christ. And Jesus commanded his command is to love one another. So again, in order to be peacemakers, we must first overcome the war within ourselves. And the war cannot be overcome in our own strength, but only by the Spirit of God who gives us more grace. In order to be a peacemaker, the peace of God must first rule in our hearts. But we say, submit to God, Excuse me, when we say we're submitted to God, we'll say, yes, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. When we say, yes, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, now we're walking in the Spirit. Now we've set our mind on what the Spirit desires, by whom will come the grace to walk in the wisdom of God, which always leads to peace in our relationships with others. The conflict must be resolved in our hearts first. So if you're in ungodly conflict now, if, you've been, if it's been about making selfish demands, I pray that you will take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in humility, in submission to Him, remembering 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So go to God. Then go to your spouse or go to your child or to whomever you've been in conflict with and end the hostilities. Be a peacemaker. You can walk in the forgiveness of God and then you can seek forgiveness from others. We must walk in the Spirit in order to be peacemakers. 
And the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? It's love. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love denies itself and puts the needs of others above its own. God help us, amen? Jesus was a peacemaker. First he came so that we could have peace with God. Romans 5 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So he came that we might have peace with God. Then he makes the peace of God available to every one of us. Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So I hope that you'll endeavor to become a peacemaker in your home and in your family. The peace of God must first rule in our hearts. Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We don't want to be peace breakers, and we don't want to be peace fakers, but sincere peacemakers. As much as it depends on you, the Bible says, let us pursue the things which make for peace. I'd like to end by asking you to turn in your Bible to one more place, uh, and that's Ephesians chapter 4. Did you know that God has given us clear instructions, clear guidelines on how we are to treat each other and how we are to speak to each other in a right way? Here's something that we should probably all print out and put on the refrigerator or wherever it's going to be that can remind us. Because if we do these things, there will be peace in our homes and in our families. It doesn't mean that there won't be issues to work through, but it can be done in peace and not in war. Ephesians 4, read it with me, starting in verse 25. He says, Therefore, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. And let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to those who are in need. And let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for edification or building each other up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I hope that you will endeavor to be a peacemaker in your home. Let's pray. Father, it's beyond words for us to express our gratitude that we could have peace with you through our Lord Jesus Christ and then to receive the peace of God in our hearts. What an awesome thing, that we can have peace. And God, I pray that you will help us. Help us to examine ourselves when necessary, when the selfish desires rise in our hearts, Lord. We, we do not want them to become sinful demands and be in conflict with others. But Lord, to, to humble ourselves before you, to submit to you, to make your will 
uh, the important thing, the, the only thing. Your will be done, not ours, Lord, so that the Holy Spirit will then give us more grace. Grace to walk in the wisdom of God, which leads to peace. Peace in our families, peace in our homes. We're so thankful, God, that you are faithful. You are at work within us, helping us. You are faithful and just to forgive us. And Lord, you grant your grace is so all-sufficient to uh, empower us to walk as you would have us walk in peace with one another, loving one another um, from our hearts. So thank you, God, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.